0: Once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. so, So in other words, what Paul is saying to that is, you who were once not Christians, you who were once not saved, you were alienated, separated from God, you were hostile in your mind, you were doing evil deeds, you were not saved. Anybody ever not been saved? I've been there. I've been not, I've been that. But look what he says. He has, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So those of you who were once lost, who were once unsaved, he, Jesus, because of what he did, has now reconciled you to himself and to God. So that means you are now saved. Those of you who were not saved, he is now saved. Now we already talked about uh, in our first message, these He's writing this to people who, who believe in Jesus. Uh, he's not writing this to unsaved people. In other words, if you are not saved, you are still unreconciled to Jesus and unreconciled to God. But these are people who have put their faith in Jesus, okay? He says, you're now saved. You who were once unsaved, you're now saved and you're sanctified. Sanctified, a great, great church word. Saved and sanctified, set apart. In order, he says. He continues, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. And we talked about that, um, uh, how that happens. Uh, this is this is what we would call fully sanctified. Okay, you're already sanctified. Again, sanctified means you're set apart. You're different. Okay, and when at the moment of your salvation, Jesus sets you apart. You change, your purpose for existence changes. Uh, your reason for living changes, all right? You go from not being His, and let me just fix this uh, untruth that said all the time, we're all God's children, we're not all God's children. Not everybody is a child of God. He has given, every, given everybody the right to become children of God, the ability, the freedom, the opportunity to be children of God, But not everybody is a child of God. In order to be a child of God, you have to put your faith in the Son of God. And that's how you become a child of God, okay? That's how you become saved. But when you do that, you are set apart. You're different. Why are you different? Because everybody else who is not saved is not a child of God. And you are. I am holy. I am sanctified. I'm set apart because I'm Eddie and Lana son. And I am their only, their one, their only begotten son I, of Eddie and Lana. That's me. And um and, 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 and so I am different than the rest of you. None of you. None of you are Eddie and Lana's son. None of you. Okay? None of you are set apart. Now, now here's the deal Carrie enjoys the benefits of being a child of no, anyway, that's, I'm not going any further with that <coughs> What I'm saying is When you become a child of God You're special, you're different And there's benefits and, and privileges That come with being a child of God And set apart And so you become, you become set apart Or sanctified at the moment of salvation You become different, forever different But you're not fully sanctified yet Okay, not fully sanctified So that fully sanctified Looks like holy, blameless And above reproach We already talked about that how does that happen? That's what we talked about last week. We got into how do I go from the point where I'm set up, I'm saved, but I'm not yet fully sanctified, fully blameless, fully above reproach. And none of us have gotten to that point yet, by the way. So how do I go to from where I am now to where Jesus wants me to be? And he tells us the way that happens, if you, okay, if indeed you Continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, and we talked about that last week. If you are going to be fully sanctified, if you're going to stand before Jesus and him go, you are completely set apart and different. You are completely blameless. You are completely above reproach. There is nothing that negative that somebody could say about you and it be true about you. It's not. I'm not there yet. If you're going to get there, you're going to get there by continuing in the faith, stable and steadfast. If you continue in the faith you will get to that point where you are fully sanctified. That is his desire. That is the reason he reconciled you in the first place. He didn't just reconcile you so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. He reconciled you so that you could be fully changed, fully sanctified. So that's the goal. In, In Verse 28 of chapter 1, same chapter of Colossians. This is what Paul writes. Jesus we proclaim. Colossians 1, 28. Him we proclaim. We got that? There you go. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. How many of you know not everybody that's in Christ is mature in Christ? (laughs) Yes. Yes, there's a lot of immature Christians, okay? So the goal is, the hope is that we would go from being immature Christians, and we all have some level of immaturity in us, to being mature Christians, okay? We want to go from immaturity to maturity. So the goal is maturity in Christ. Not just I don't have to go to hell. When you are at the point where you are not going to hell, that's a great place to be. That totally beats going to hell. But but it's not the finish line. It's not the end. You don't just do that and go, now I can just live my life and I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore because I've already got my get out of hell free card. No, the get out of hell free card happens and then from that moment you start being changed to the point where God does his work in you to the point where you are now Mature and fully mature. I know Ray and Beth. Ray, it's good to see you here. Glad you felt up to coming uh, today. Uh, Ray and Beth have flipped houses before, right? You got a current flip in progress. You do? Okay. So, anybody else flipped a house? Hmm? No. Nope. All right. So, so those of you that flipped houses, but you know the concept. You, you go and you find a house that is in disrepair. It, 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 it needs a lot of work to the point where probably most people wouldn't even want the house. And you get it for a great deal, and you do a lot of work on it, and ultimately either move in it, I guess you could, but most people when they get them fixed up, they sell the house. So I want you to think about your relationship with with Jesus like, like a, a house flip. When you buy the house, the house is yours even before you make one, change to the house right before you change out any sheetrock or mud the 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 wall spackle fill any holes fix the floor fix the foundation uh, fix a broken window before you do any of that it's still a a nasty broken down house but at the moment you pay for that house that house belongs to you it's your house but you buy that house not for the purpose of keeping a nasty broken down house. you buy the house for the purpose of fixing the house up so that one day the house will no longer be broken down. It can then be a nice house and you can use it for your own purposes. all right that's the way Jesus and salvation works for us. We are we belong to Jesus at the moment of salvation. at the moment of, moment of saving faith remember I was talking about saving faith? At the moment of saving faith, when you put your faith in the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was born uh, 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 into the world, that he came into the world as flesh, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again from the dead on the third day, and that he is your Lord and Savior, at that moment you become God's. But you are still that broken down house in disrepair. That's the state that you're in when God saves you. You belong to him, but the work is not done yet. There's work to be done. In fact, he bought you. Listen, he bought you so that he could do the work in you. He, he chose you for his own. He invited you to be a part of his family so he could do his work on you. And so it's at that moment when you belong to him that he begins to work. He begins to do his work. And that work is what we call sanctification. That work, is that sanctification is the work of maturity that God does in you to take you from you're just a child of God, but you're all broken down and, 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 and empty and, and, and um, uh, in disrepair to the point where you stand before God and there's not a flaw in you. Okay, and God is doing that. And how does He do it? He says if you continue in the faith, stead, steady and stable, steadfast, Okay, so continuing the faith, what, what does that mean? That's, um, um, that means he's going to take you from a saving faith to a sanctifying faith. Okay, I told you what the saving faith said. Jesus is the son of God. Okay, he died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. He's my Lord and Savior. Saving faith, you belong to him at that moment. Sanctifying faith is a little different. We talked about it. it, it sanctifying faith says this. Jesus' way is always the best way. You remember us talking about that? Jesus' way is always the best way. You don't necessarily think that at the moment of salvation. You learn that. At the moment of salvation, a lot of people are just like, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. And God God allows you to do that. You put your faith in Christ, you you become saved. He takes you and He makes you His own. But that faith then grows to the point where you actually trust what he says fully. Jesus' way is always the best way. Jesus' words are always truth. Following Jesus will always lead to life. That is a process that most of us have to go through. Okay? And how he does that is he reveals to you when that's not the case. <clears throat> he reveals to you that. Hey, hey, buddy, and, uh, you, I, I, I'm saying do this and you're doing this other thing. You need to trust me and, and do what I tell you to do. He does that to his children. He teaches them. So from a saving faith to a sanctifying faith, look at Romans chapter 1. Y'all didn't think you were going to get out of here without a Romans verse, did you? Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. Why, Paul? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You know what that believes? Saving faith, okay? To the Jew first, also to the Greek, it could be sanctifying faith as well. But look what it says, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God, or being made right with God, or being saved and sanctified, the righteousness of God is revealed, look what it says, from faith. The ESV says for faith. NIV, I think, says from faith to faith. What does that mean? What does it mean from faith to faith? That means there's different faiths. There's a different kind of faith. The first faith is saving faith, and and that's what he wants to do. The gospel calls you to have saving faith in Christ, but it also calls you to have that saving faith so you can get to the next faith. Faith, saving faith for sanctifying faith. Does that make sense? Do you see that? It's not just that it's faith. It's not just about faith. It's for faith. It's from faith for faith, from faith. Two faith, the saving faith to the sanctifying faith. And what is the sanctifying faith? I believe that Jesus, what Jesus said is true. He's the way, uh, if, I, if I follow him, it will always lead to life. That changes your life. That changes your behavior. That changes the way you see things. And that is the maturity that we need to get to. Because there are still areas. Here's why we're not fully mature yet. Because there are still areas where we don't do that. Where we still think Jesus said it, yeah, but, yeah, but, if Jesus knew my situation, he wouldn't have said that. That does not, what Jesus said does not apply to my situation. Or maybe you don't even think about that logically, but you're not living it out. You're holding resentment against people. You're not forgiving people. You're not loving your enemies. You're doing bad to your enemies or wanting to. You hold hatred in your heart for people that are not like you. That's not not trusting that Jesus is the way. That's saying, no, I'm going to go my own way. That's not the way that Jesus said. So we've got some growth to do. So if we're going to get to where Christ wants us to be, or or where Christ deserves us to be, it's going to take a sanctifying faith, okay? But not just a sanctifying faith. He says also, go back to verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, what does it mean to continue in the faith? Saving faith to sanctifying faith. If you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, because you can quit believing. You can quit. It's not a given that you're going to continue in the faith. Many people fall from the faith. Jesus' parable of the sowers. There were people that received the word with joy immediately and then died out. They received it. They believed it. They sprung up quickly. And then when troubles came, what happened? They died. They withered. They went away. Which is why he says the second part. Look, not only continue in the faith stable and steadfast, but not shifting from the hope of the gospel you have heard. Not shifting from the hope. Of the gospel. So, if we're going to get to where Christ wants us to be, it's going to take a sanctifying faith and a, this is it, this is key, satisfying hope. A satisfying hope. What does it mean to have a satisfying hope? A hope that satisfies like a Snickers. A Snickers, it really satisfies, right? So they say. But what does it mean to have a satisfying hope? A satisfying hope, I'll put this in your bulletin. A satisfying hope is a hope that appreciates any and every trouble or hardship. Anybody anybody fit that? Anybody in here have a satisfying hope? You appreciate any and every trouble or hardship. You fill in the blank with what you want trouble and hardship to be. No matter how difficult it is, regardless of how difficult it is. Because this satisfying hope knows that God will more than make up for it in the end. God will more than make up for it in the end. Paul spoke about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. He said, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. In other words, there's some terrible things happening on the outside of us. Terrible situations we're going through, and I'm sure if I asked you, there are multiple, probably hundreds of situations that you are going through that are extremely hard right now. If we just shared all of them. We have more than one hard things that are going on right now. We talked about funeral expenses in our announcements, our funerals in our announcements. These are some hard things. We don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed Day by day. This is not a change in what's going on on the outside. This is something that happens on the inside of you. What happens? What is is it that's inside of us that makes our faith, I mean our hope, satisfying? Verse 17. For this, Paul says, light and momentary affliction. This light momentary affliction. Right there you go. Well, Paul's not talking about me, right? He can't be talking about me because my... Troubles are not light and momentary. This light, let me just read to you what Paul's light and momentary afflictions are. I'm skipping the easy worship people are going to be thrilled with me. But anyway, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, these are the light momentary afflictions Paul is talking about. Some of you know them, but I just want to read, I want you to think about. It. This is what Paul is talking about when he says these are light and momentary he says, Second Corinthians eleven twenty four. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, minus one. They would take a rod, or they would take a uh, a whip and a whip, and they would uh, uh, usually it was a leather whip had leather tails on it. Sometimes it had rock and 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 uh, uh, metal and stuff tied into it. You remember Jesus the scourging? Paul went through this whipping process five times, and they could, they could not beat you more than 40 times because it, was, it would kill you is what their idea was. They weren't if, they, if you were worthy of dying, they would have crucified you, but if they just wanted to hurt you real bad, they would whip you 39 times. Paul says, I've been through that five times. Can you imagine what Paul's back looked like? Jesus just went through it once. Paul went through it five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. I wonder if his back had healed up from the whip. Once I was stoned. I believe Paul was stoned to death. And God raised him up. Three times, you didn't want to get on a boat with Paul. Paul, I love you. I'm not going on vacation with you just followed you, three times three times I was shipwrecked three times I was shipwrecked a night in a day I was adrift at sea can you imagine no. No, no. you? I mean I'd hear that Eli was at the beach this past week with my mom and dad and a tennis friend and this tennis friend went in the ocean at night crazy He lived to tell about it, but I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. And my son didn't. Thank you for wisdom. (sighs) Or he didn't tell me about it if he did. All right. So on frequent journeys, never at home, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger, in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these other things, there's the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul was a honeybee. Anyway, so that those are the things that Paul talks about when he says, Our light momentary. So, now back to uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. He says, all right, for this light, we don't lose heart, he says. We don't lose heart. In other words, we keep not only the faith and we keep the hope. We keep faith and hope. Even though our outer self, even though we we've went through all that, verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is what Paul is saying. He is not calling those things light and momentary in and of themselves. In and of themselves, they are heavy and hard and almost beyond. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians earlier on, he said we despaired life. We wanted to die. Same letter, he says, our momentary light affliction. How could he call it light and momentary? Because it it was light and momentary in comparison to, in comparison to the glory, the good, the reward that was coming because he went through those afflictions, okay? So in compared with the reward, the work and the hardship. Was, was like nothing. It wasn't like nothing, but it was like nothing in comparison with the reward. Um, Daniel came in. Uh, I, yeah, this week. This week. Um, I think it was Friday. Daniel was talking um, to me about selling jobs. I think he said six jobs. Is that right? This week? Daniel sold six jobs. He, he uh, refinished his cabinets and sold six jobs this week. Came in. You know what? He was bragging about I mean, not bragging like boasting, but he was happy about selling six jobs. You know what six refinishing jobs means? A lot of work. A lot of headache. A lot of hassle. Something ain't going to go right. You're welcome. (laughs) Spiritual gift, spiritual gift. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just wanted to make sure he knew the reality of the situation, you know. Um, a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, okay, hardship. Like I said, things are going to go wrong. He knows that things always go wrong. Nothing ever goes exactly as planned. So how could Daniel, knowing that because he's been in this business long enough to know that, how could he come in my office and talk about selling six jobs and be happy about it? How crazy is Don't you know how much work you're going to have to do for six jobs? That's overwhelming. No, no, no. He was happy about it because he knew with six jobs came what? Six paychecks. Six uh, uh, payments. And it was, it, it was the, it's the payments for those six jobs that makes you talk about the six jobs and be happy about them. You see that? You get that? Now, he could have been miserable and dreading all the work. You can look at it with that perspective. But he was not. His perspective was, dude, I sold six jobs. I'm going to get six. He didn't say that, but that's the idea. That's the idea. That's what it it means to, to endure hardships for Jesus. That's how you can look at a hardship for Jesus and go, thank you. Not because it's, it's easy or fun. You, you know, it's not like, thank you for this fifth beating I'm getting of, 40, of 39 lashes. No, that's crazy. That, that's not Paul's. But, but as he looked on it, looked back on it, he was like, I know. Get this. I know Jesus is going to make it worth my while. I know Jesus is going to make it worth my while. I know he is. Because he told me he would. He told me whatever I had to give up for, he would make it up to me. He told me that, and I believe him. That's a satisfying hope. Satisfying hope means I can go, I I may have to go, I'm going to have to endure tribulation. Jesus said, You're going to have trouble in this world, right? In this world, you will have tribulation, trouble, pain, hardship. But take heart, don't be downtrodden, don't be miserable, take heart. Why? I've overcome the world. One day Jesus is coming back and he's going to come back. I read this, this is one of my readings in Psalms this week or last week. That, that when the Lord comes back, he's going to bring his reward and his recompense with him. And I had to look up recompense. <laughs> I've heard it. But basically, he's going to come back and he's going he's to he's 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 settle accounts. And, and here's the good news. Listen, you don't deserve to be saved and you never will be. But Jesus will pay you for your work. Jesus will pay you for your work. Jesus doesn't owe you anything. You, you, you don't stand before God and say, you didn't give me as much as I deserve. No, no, no. But, but here's he promised he would pay you. He doesn't pay us because we deserve it. He pays us because he promised he would pay us. So you can look He's going to pay you for your work. That's what Paul is saying. I know that these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to what I'm going to get paid at the end. I'm happy scrubbing. It. Customer, You want, this ain't right. Now scratch it. You're right. I'll just fill that in and cash that check at the end. That's what Paul, that's Paul's attitude towards hardship and, and tribulation is that yours. I can't believe God would let me go through all this. It's not fair, God. How could a loving God let me go through this? It's so hard. So hard. If you love me, you wouldn't. You'd stop this. You'd change this situation. There's no way. God, are you even there? How could you be there and me still go through this? He's there. He's there. And he's going to let you go through this. That's the truth. Paul went, he, God didn't stop the whip this far from Paul's back. God didn't hold the boat together. I mean, it would have been cool if like everybody else's boat, you know, the piece of the boat just flew apart. And Paul just had a perfect boat right there that he floated away. And he would just say, you know, if y'all were serving Jesus, y'all would be like me and just row back to the shore. No, he didn't do that. When everybody else's boat fell apart, guess what? Paul's boat fell apart. Your boat's going to fall apart. Your boat's going to fall apart. You, you're going you're to get punished for serving Jesus. Guys, America is such a, 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 a place of privilege and luxury. It's not going to last. It's not going to be forever. Get ready for it. It's happening all over. It's at our borders. It's that there are pushes for it to happen here. There's coming a day when being a Christian, believing Jesus is going to cost us everything. Our attitude has to be, even if it costs me everything, it's more than worth it. Light and momentary affliction. Get that now. Get that now. Gonna be tough to do it in that moment. You got to get that now. Get that now, Peter. <clears> hmm. <throat> Peter said this. First Peter three. I'm sorry. First Peter one. We're getting. We're, we're getting through here. Okay. We're almost done. First Peter chapter one verse three. Peter writes this. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed means saying good things about. I got nothing bad to say about God, or Jesus. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope. That's saving faith. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's something that's going to happen in the future. This inheritance, it's kept in heaven for us, who who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look what, look what Peter says about these people who are suffering. In this you rejoice. By the way, Peter wrote this letter to exiles. Peter wrote this letter to people who were living in Jerusalem, Judea, Judah. Okay, They were living around Jerusalem. And because of, the, of, of, of political movements, they were cast out and had to flee their country. And live in a land that wasn't their own. That could happen to us, by the way. I can't imagine leaving Hazel Green, but there may come a time when I'm living in who knows where. Could be Russia. Look what he says to these people who are, have had to leave their home because of troubles. In this you rejoice. In this you rejoice. He's talking to them, and they're rejoicing even though they've been exiled. Though now, look what he says. Though now, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. If necessary, by now, they're exiles. What would we call uh, um, refugees? Refugees. These are refugees. So Paul would write to these refugees and say, you know, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that, there's always a purpose with Jesus, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The result is when Jesus comes back. Uh, how many of you watched any of the Winter Olympics? For many if you watched any of it? Yeah, some, very few people did. Ratings were terrible for the Olympics. But these Olympians train for, on average, four to eight years. On average, 32 hours a week to compete in an event that only takes place once every four years. They sacrifice for four to eight years, 32 hours a week. For what? in hopes that they can gain a medal, right? A medal in the glory. (laughs) That's what Paul's talking about. This this reward that we have is so much better than a gold medal. And if they're willing to sacrifice all that time and effort to get a gold medal, shouldn't we be willing to sacrifice whatever we got to do? To get this crown that is imperishable. He says it's it's more precious than gold. Verse 8. Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Though you don't now see Jesus, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter is talking to these refugees saying, hey, you're rejoicing in this, in this time of trouble. And so you look at Peter and go, Peter, you're so cold. How can you? You're heartless. How could you tell them to rejoice while they're refugees? And then you see what happened to Peter. Peter, in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the other apostles were preaching Jesus in Jerusalem. And the leaders came and said, quit preaching Jesus in Jerusalem. And what did Peter and the apostles do? They kept preaching Jesus in Jerusalem They said we can't help it We're going to preach Jesus wherever We're going to speak the name of Jesus wherever The government said quit speaking Jesus That's coming That day's coming to us In Hazel Green, Alabama In Fayetteville, Tennessee Meridianville, Newmarket, Tony That day's coming when the government's going to say You quit speaking the name of Jesus Next day Peter and the apostles got out there, start speaking Jesus. They bring him in and go, did we not tell you? They wanted to kill him, but they couldn't. Did we not tell you to quit speaking? They're like, we can't help, buddy, but speak the name of Jesus, okay? First of all, they got a verbal warning, quit, enough. But then, guess what happened? They couldn't put him to death, so what did they do? They whipped them. It says, it says um, in verse 40, Acts 540, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. You know what they beat them with? Probably that whip. Probably 39 times. They beat them and guess what they said? Quit speaking the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. Verse 41, boy, this is convicting. Then they left the presence of the council. What do you think we would be saying if we had just left for being beaten for speaking the name of Jesus? We'd be calling down fire on their heads. We'd be bringing down curses on them. We'd be calling our lawyer. (laughs) Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. 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 They just been beaten. Why were they rejoicing? They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that 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 the Christ is Jesus. Okay, so it was it was this honor for serving Jesus. They they believed that Jesus was worth it they believed that Jesus was worth it what what is it worth it okay anything there was nothing that was outside of what Jesus was worth going through and enduring okay that 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 is that is a satisfying faith they were satisfied for getting beaten for speaking the name of Jesus they didn't go okay it's not worth it anymore they like if they, they said if we get beat tomorrow we're gonna do it again because I know it's worth it. Jesus is worth it. If you don't have Jesus is worth it in your heart, you ain't going to make it to mature in Christ. You're not going to make it. Because what, what, is, what is the other option for Jesus is worth it? Jesus is not worth it. A lot of people fall into that category. A lot of people that ate the bread, the loaves and the fishes. A lot of those 5,000 decided the next day Jesus wasn't worth it. A lot of them. We know people who've decided that Jesus wasn't worth it. I assure you, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Now here's the deal. There may come a time when you need to tell me that. Where I need to hear that from you. Because I'm weak I'm wavering And I'm wondering Because I didn't think about this When I thought of tribulation and trials And it sure doesn't feel light and momentary At the moment I may need you to tell me Tell me Tell me Love me enough to tell me Because Jesus is worth it He's promised he would be worth it Because there is an eternal weight of glory Listen to what he says Beyond all comparison. Like you can add up all of our troubles and sorrows and hardships. Things we've cried about. Things we've gotten in depression about. And you can put them all on this side. And put what's waiting for us if we keep the faith and keep the hope. The reward over here for for keeping the faith and hope in Jesus. And there's no comparison. This side's heavy. This side is light and momentary. This side is eternal and heavy. Don't give up the eternal reward for the light and momentary affliction. Hang in there. Keep the faith. Keep the hope. Steady and steadfast. He will make it worth it to you. Paul believed it. Peter believed it. I believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You know how we'll know if we believe it? When it comes, do we fall away or do we stand? My prayer is for you that you stand. So I want to ask you, are you satisfied with the hope that you have in Christ? Or in your mind, in your heart, are you going, Jesus, I don't know if you're worth this. I don't know if it's worth going through this to follow Jesus. Is that where you're at? I want to encourage you to shift it. He's worth it. Believe it not asking are you satisfied with the way things are right now. That's not what, that's not what the question is. But are you satisfied with whatever I have to go through right now or in the future or ever did go through will be more than worth it one day when Jesus comes back. That's our hope. Our hope is when Jesus comes back. Until Jesus comes back, that hope is not realized. It's not for right now. It's for when Jesus comes back. But good news, guess what? And his reward and his recompense, whatever that is, is with him. Now, his reward and his recompense is with him. Like when he comes back, he's not going to go, you know what I forgot? He's not Eric Lonus. He's not going to get here and go, I left it. No, he's going to bring it with him, and he's going to give it to you if you stand. So stand with me. Let's stand. We don't want to miss out on that. do we? Stand, just like you're standing. I want you to stand in faith. I want you to stand in hope. I want you to believe, not me. But Jesus, believe Jesus. I want you to have saving faith. I want you to believe that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again from the dead, that he is Lord and Savior. If you don't believe that yet, you had not started on sanctifying yet, you need to believe that he saves. But if you're already there, I want you to believe that he is, his way is right. His words are truth. You'll never go wrong following him. His way leads to life. His way leads to life. And in, in addition to that, that whatever you have to go through for him, it'll be worth it. Whatever I have to go through, God's going to make, Jesus is going to make it worth it. Father, I lift uh, our hearts, our minds today. <clears throat> Lord, those of us who don't belong to you yet, I pray that you would, you would convict us and convince us, Holy Spirit, to believe the gospel, the hope of the gospel. For those of us who are believers, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Pride us if you have to, to make us mature. We want to be mature believers in Christ. We want to grow and be totally, go from being just set apart to fully set, set apart. Sanctified to fully sanctified. And Father, for those of us who are wavering because of hardships. Hardships that on their own are deeply heavy. In fact, I'm thankful, Lord, that you allowed Paul to write in 2 Corinthians, We wanted to die. Things were so bad we wanted to die for Paul. But I thank you for not leaving it there, but also included in the very same letter, these light and momentary afflictions. Lord, help us keep in mind, keep in perspective our troubles right now. Not make light of them, but realize that in comparison with the reward that we're going to have if we stand firm, it's going to be compared light. It's going to be light, and nothing in comparison. So I pray for that hope to fill us, that we'd have... Steady faith and a satisfying hope in Jesus. If that's you and your desire just say Amen and Amen and I agree with you and I